Hello and welcome. This is the weekly recap. Uh, I don't know what episode this is. Episode 72, a.k.a. Mike Tomlin's first losing season. Uh, <laughs> it is Sunday, September 22nd, and we September are 22nd. watching the Browns play the Rams on Sunday night football. How in the hell did anybody let this happen? What a terrible game. Oh, it sounds, you know, it, it just seems Browns like it would be awful. just an awful. I'm sure it's a cool atmosphere though. Cause Cleveland always seems to get up for big games like this. Um, but they're just not a very good team. Like, I don't, I don't think they're really going to compete this year for anything. Um, I guess, you know, they played well last year, but I think that was kind of just like some, some rookie magic for, for, uh, Go Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, All right. So, so we, we, we took a week off and uh, it was mostly just because of timing. Like there was, there was literally nothing that I could do to get time off work to do this. So I, um, <clears throat> we're back strong this week um, after juicy brews yesterday. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Jake, you've had some experiences outside of your, normal hometown i guess currently yeah so i i really haven't gone to any breweries recently in bend oregon because i hit all of the good ones pretty early on and in the summer up here because it's so crowded and because so many people come here for vacation i really rather not go to some of these places that have lines that are out the door and there's kids running around and all that kind of stuff. But I have been traveling quite a bit. Um, the past, this is the first weekend actually that I, I spent completely in Oregon for over a month. Um, yeah. Cause you came to which Pittsburgh, like the first week of uh, the first week of September, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh, and then be- but before that, I was in Vancouver, and then Portland, and then the week after that, I was in California, um, two back-to-back weekends. So it's uh, it's kind of nice to get back. Um, I was pretty busy all day yesterday drinking some <laughs> some craft beer, you know, some bigger craft beers. I was talking to you earlier about how I was drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ales. Yeah, but we were at a golf tournament, so I didn't expect to to be able to take my pick of, you know, eight or ten different craft beers. Yeah, I feel like that's then, a that's a really, I mean, it's a it's a comment on the craft beer society though too. Like nobody is making themselves available for those types of events, like local stuff. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to walk in there and have ten or twelve. Oregon brews just like chilling in a cooler. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, I mean, even for what it was, so it's a golf course that's in kind of the middle of nowhere. I work in a town called Prineville, which is less than 10,000 people. And it's a golf course that gets, it seems to get a lot of play, but you know, there's a lot of people, I guess when you have nothing to do other than like raise cattle, (laughs) you pick golf as like your next big hobby. I would think. Well, yeah, and there, I'm sure there's a lot of land out there that nobody is occupying. So, yeah, pretty much. It's I, 
there aren't as many golf courses as you'd kind of expect, but there, there are quite a few. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a small town, you know, and you don't really, you wouldn't really expect a lot, like a big craft presence in, in that type of place. But then again, I mean, I, you know, I lived in Lewis, Pennsylvania, which is pretty close to some bigger towns, you know, I mean, it's only an hour and a half away from Philadelphia and stuff, but speaking of Lewis, even though, though they had a they had a craft beer fest today, and they had a lot of big players. That's the thing about that place is that it's for some reason, for whatever fucking reason, they have this this like unbelievable presence of craft beer there. I mean, the the one place in particular is Bull's Head, which we spent a shitload of time at during my my stint in Lidditz. and they yeah, you actually took pulling, me there. Yeah, and they were pulling out like beers from all over the place, like just straight out the ass. And I've all like I, I mean, recently I've gone back through um, my Untapped from that time, and it's it's really incredible how much they were able to get in such a small town. So I guess I shouldn't be all that surprised when looking at you know a place like a golf course. Um, it, it's weird because Prineville uh, also has a couple of craft breweries there too. Really? Um, I mean, that's yeah, I, that's the wave now. So everybody's trying to get on that, I guess. And and you know, you're starting to see even even like the the hardest core, uh, you know, Budweiser fans or Miller fans or whatever, have started to at least seemingly take a, a liking to more crafty type stuff. And I think it's easier to sell to people in a town like that where you're supporting local businesses, right? Cause you know, every restaurant you go to, you know, they have, I guess a DQ and McDonald's and stuff like that and Prineville, but most of it is still these small type shops, right? They have like menswear shops and they sell, you know, fucking, I don't know, rugs and, and like all kind of like weird shit out of these small, small shops and things like that. So it, it kind of makes sense. It kind of follows along with that trend. Not that that's a trend, you know, it's kind of just always been like that because it's so far from, you know, actual existence. Yeah, but I mean, I guess celebrating the the local guy is still important, right? Like, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Like, there's not really, I don't know, what I'm trying to say isn't really coming across there, so... Okay. <laughs> uh, what I so, meant, what I meant uh, by that was again. no, no, no. Um, Actually, you know what? Let me let me finish my incoherent thought here. Um, there's a there's a lot of rebelling against like the major corporations in these smaller towns, I think, and being able to go to like a corner shop that has like your fresh made bakery and you know, the, the butcher that, you know, since you were five years old type thing, that's a big selling point for a lot of these places. Right. And that's, that's, what's awesome about craft beer in the sense that you're getting something that, you know, was made locally. Yeah. And it's not always, I mean, in, on like a larger scale, right. You know, I don't, I'm never going to know the guys from Sierra Nevada personally, or, uh, you know, dogfish head or stone or anything, but 
it, there's still sort of that feel when you go into, you know, one of their tap rooms or um, a local bar that's selling their stuff, right? I mean, you can kind of tie everything together from that perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I guess I shouldn't really be all that surprised. Um, you know, it's not like they have a bunch of stuff from Bend, you know, cause it's, you know, really, really local craft beer can, can be expensive, you know, because it's, you know, you're supporting the local people and they don't have the, they won't necessarily have the resources to make a ton and sell it at like a pretty affordable price. And that's why you see some of the larger craft players in more and more places, right? Because they, they can sell it at a price that's similar to big beer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it is nice to see, you know, they had some boneyard, um, you know, they have that on tap there. Boneyard's a pretty big player in the bend scene. Um, and they, I don't, I don't know if they distribute all that much, um, but you know, it's it's. I, I enjoy drinking the craftier stuff. I mean, you know, I'll I'll drink Miller Light and all that kind of stuff as well. But it's uh, it, it's again, just it's always cool to see local places supporting other local places or smaller craft. Yeah. And I, I think that's where I want to get into the Juicy Brews event from the weekend. Um, I feel like there was a lot of that, like, camaraderie going around because a lot of the breweries that were there were local places, right? Um, although they did get a few big names. I mean, everybody rushed to Dewey as soon as the doors opened. Everybody got in line for high tower, which is, um, high tower. Actually, we've never talked about them like extensively on the podcast, but we've had a couple of beers from them and they're only like two hours away from Pittsburgh. So I want to kind of touch on that because their beers are incredible and they're, they're this little podunk Ohio, uh, brewery, right? Like they're, I want to say they're just south of Youngstown, but they're, like I said, they're like two hours from downtown Pittsburgh. And a lot of people go out there for releases and stuff like that. And, and they get lines like crazy for some of these sought after ones. But overall, the festival was very chill. Um, there were a lot of really good beers and you could go back and get a couple of pours from the major players without too much of a line. Dewey was the big one because everybody's finally catching up to the fact that, um, what's it? Uh, secret machine is actually a really great beer and it's their sour series and they do a ton of different variations on it. But the one they had at the festival was the uh, triple double which was like nine and a half percent or something like that. And honestly, like blew me away. And we've had a couple of the, uh, a couple of the secret machine series and all of them are fantastic. Like if, if anybody out there is listening and, and wants a good sour, go to Dewey. There's, um, 
there's quite a bit I want to talk about about the festival, though. Um, <clears throat> Before you get into that, um, can you speak at all to pop culture now, I guess, winding down the amount of Juicy Brews festivals that they're going to be hosting? I know that we we discussed this. It's been, I think, several months now since they announced um, that they were moving back to Pittsburgh and that they were going to start taking a, a, a break, I guess, or, or tapering back, I guess, their number of festivals and, and the types of events that they host. Can you speak to that at all? So I did have a chance to run into Kenny at the festival, um, Hop Culture's founder from Pittsburgh. Uh, he did say, and I, I don't know how how much this will affect the beer fest gauntlet that they are on, but he said that they are putting the bar on hold for right now. Um, and I don't know that, that, that believe me, I, I, we're not like friends with him or anything, but at, at the same time, like seeing him in passing and the couple of people that we were at at the fest, it seemed to me like he was more geared towards the beer fest. And I think that that really comes from how successful they've been at producing these on a large scale. And one of the biggest things that he said was we had a really successful run at the pro football hall of fame party. And that was in Canton, Ohio, right at the pro football hall of fame. They had a huge beer festival there and apparently it went really well and people took notice. So he said that the bar's a little bit on hold, even though he's back in Pittsburgh and, and operating out of Pittsburgh, they're, they're kind of shifting their focus a little bit. And I think that they might actually ramp up the, uh, beer fest more so than focusing on this craft beer bar that they're trying to open. So it's pretty interesting to me because they, they already have a bunch of them. Like I remember they, they released a list the year that I went to juicy brews in Boston, which was just last year um, around. Actually it's, it's almost been exactly a year since that festival. It was on Halloween. They released a list prior to that, where they had maybe 10. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, I want to say like the whole year or or something something like that. So you're telling me they're ramping it up. I mean, it's, that's pretty insane to me that you, that you could, I I mean, I guess you can always bump up, you know, the amount of people that you hire or the amount of people that you keep on staff to help facilitate the planning of those. But one more than one per month just seems like a lot of work and it seems like maybe you'd start to lose a little bit of interest because it's so frequent. Yeah, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's, that's the problem with like the juicy brews, um, like their operations, right. Is the biggest thing about that is that you're, you're drinking beer poured by somebody that works at the brewery, Right. And so, I mean, I understand that there are 7,000 craft breweries in the U.S., right? So there's no way that, like, you could have the same festival over and over again and never have the same brewery. But a lot of these guys that want to be a part of it are 
repeat offender. I, I don't mean, you know what I mean? Like not, not repeat offenders, but like repeat uh, guests, let's say yeah. at these festivals. And so to see the same people showing up at all of these festivals is impossible. Let's it, it, that's exactly what it is. It's impossible. So you have to like rotate in different people because not only did we have juicy brews this weekend, they have another one next weekend in Hudson Valley. They have another one at the end of October in uh, Boston, right? They're redoing uh, spooky brews. And so you have these people that want to be a part of it, but you can't possibly go to every festival. And I think that's what we're seeing with like, even like dancing gnome, right? Those guys were at the forefront whenever hop culture came around, they were like, yeah, you know what? Let's do our birthday party with hop culture. And they brought everybody in and they had a great time and everybody loved it. But at the same time you have these one-offs where like, uh, Horace out in California, right? They did their own hop culture event. Um, there's, there's these things all over the country and you can't possibly have somebody from the brewery at every one of them. And mm -hmm. that's where it tends to kind of slide because then you get fests like Bruise of the Berg, right? Or, um, I, I, to a lesser degree, I would say like, uh, Big Poor or, well, yeah, I mean, even even I have worked. I, I forget what festival I worked, but you know, I was I was standing in as you know a representative, you know, in air quotes. Uh, if you can't see me right now, we can't. Um, <laughs> I was a representative for you know two different breweries, and I was getting all these questions from people like, "Oh, so you guys are from California?" and you know. I don't. I don't want to say it looks bad, but when you're when you're like, no, actually, I'm just like a, I'm just a volunteer. I'm just pouring for you guys. Um, you know, some people have questions. Some people enjoy, you know, the the conversation, and that's like you're saying. That's a lot of the reason that, that people want to go to these is to talk to these these brewers, get some, you know, maybe not insider info, but just you know, have more of a, a detailed conversation than just like, oh yeah, how's that beer? Yeah, it's great. Thanks. And then they walk away, right? It's right. You want you, know, you want some I, insight I into what you're drinking, and, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to sit here and bash hop culture because I'm, you know, I I've worked in the service industry and stuff in the past. I mean, not not really in craft beer. I mean, I drink. We obviously drink a lot of craft beer and stuff, but they were doing something right, you know. And and they wouldn't have had the amount of success that they've had if it wasn't for you know picking their spots and making sure that every festival kind of goes off exactly how they want it to yeah no absolutely and and i think in running into kenny at the festival he was having the time of his life and if you're not enjoying what you do then it shows in your product right like if you're not presenting this extremely fun atmosphere all the time then it's not worth it Right. So, and that's, I think that's a big concern with ramping up the beer fest that they're doing is can you bring that energy every weekend or every other weekend or every two months or whatever it is to, to really sell the product? Because a lot of people show up to these things expecting a high level of beer, let alone a high level of experience. 
You know what I mean? Like, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Yesterday was far and away probably one of the best juicy brews I've ever been to. It was a little bit crowded at the beginning because everybody ran to, you know, their first brewery and everybody wanted Dewey. And so we stood in line for 20 minutes to get our first beer. But at the same time, like we got to, we got to hang out with, uh, the guys from Dewey, we got to talk to uh, perennial and like all these other big names in the craft beer spread. And it was a lot of fun. Like there was, there was no pressure, right? I walk up to hitchhiker and nobody's in line and they have a 10% stout. They have a Oktoberfest. They have, they have a, a range of stuff. Right. And I'm standing there and I'm like, ah, you know what? Give me the Oktoberfest. Uh, let me try the stout too. Like no big deal. So there was a lot of, um, downtime I would say, but in a good way, right? Like you're not rushing to get everything before it's sold out. You're having a good time with your friends. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on all at once that makes you feel like it's a group gathering and not just like a, Oh, let's get in line. Let's get in line. Let's get in line. Let's get in line. You know? So, that's that's one thing that I took away from yesterday was the fact that you can enjoy four hours of drinking really great beer and still have that interaction with the people that brew it or the people that are part of the process at least. So here, uh, you know, I want to I want to stay on this topic. I want to I want to sort of spin it in a different direction here. What do we want to see them do as they continue to increase or, you know, assuming that they sort of follow that path that, that Kenny, I guess, mentioned to you, what do we want to see? Because they, they, you need to keep innovating. You need to keep bringing people back, right? You can't just keep doing the same festival year after year, after year, after year, after year. And I think expect the same results and the same amount of success. I mean, maybe not. Maybe because it's only once a year in some of these places, that's enough to get people to keep coming back. But for me and people who follow pretty intently and who are going to festivals, potentially in multiple areas of the country per year, you know, because some people are going to, uh, um, what's the Three Floyds Festival? Dark Lord. Lord. Some yeah. people are going to Juicy Brews. Some people are going to, you know, maybe some of the the festivals that like that like Sam Adams and Dogfish Head put on and 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 Voodoo Beer and like Beer bunch of these, right. right. So, you know, you can't just keep going. You know, and maybe maybe some people are just like, oh yeah, I just want to drink my face off and drink craft beer, you know, three four times a year and that's it. For me, it's not necessarily about that. Like. There's got to be something like there's got to be something else moving forward that they continue to push the bill on, or else you know I'll start losing interest personally. So I, what do you like? What do you? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I you know I don't want to say you know what do you think because if you think that every festival can be the same as it is right now and people will continue to come back, then you know that's a moot point on my end. But for me, you have to keep challenging yourself right and that's the thing is like they're very creative people at hop culture right and i know for a fact that they don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again right or else they would have stayed in new york and they would have kept doing the same shit that they've been yeah right? no so absolutely. they're challenging themselves they're challenging themselves by coming back to pittsburgh uh you know trying to start this bar whenever it is that they do 
Um, you know, and you can, you can go back through, you know, their blog posts and their emails and all the, you know, if, if you're unfamiliar with exactly what it is that they're, they're planning on doing or what they have been planning on doing. But for me, again, there's gotta be something else, you know, like if I were still in Boston and, and they had spooky brews coming up, I don't want to do the same festival again. Right. Is it just moving venues? Is it bringing in, you know, people from all over the country, all over the world, potentially something like that, where that's really where you're getting creative and trying to figure out what, what it is that you can do to keep these people coming back and expecting great things from you. No, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that there's a lot of uh, variety that needs to go into it. I feel like you don't need the same like six players at every festival. I feel like um, every brewery can throw their own festival, right? Like everybody does it already, right? You have you have places like um, RAR doing um, Dank Day and uh, The Veil doing Dark Days. And like there, there, there's so many festivals that you can go to. Hunapu Day in Florida. Um, like I feel like their corner of the market really is the camaraderie with the brewers and the breweries and bringing a different lineup every time and, and really focusing on the locals because honestly half of the homecoming lineup was Pittsburgh breweries. But even then all you're selling there is people wanting to drink all the local breweries in one place. So it doesn't really make sense to focus on that so much as to expand maybe the, uh, the casual craft beer drinkers palate. Right. So like you and I are, I would say more advanced than like the casual, like the guy that hangs out at 11th hour every, you know, two, three days, whatever. But at the same time, there's so much craft beer out there that you can have the same festival over and over again with different breweries and never run into being tired of the beer. There's a lot of love that goes into making all of this product and people just want to get it out there. So as much as hop culture might be recycling some breweries having that one or two that are new or different or people have heard about and never been to that's enough for them. And I think that's really what sold me on going to the homecoming because I've been to juicy brews in Pittsburgh, every one of them, except for the first one. And they're all pretty much the same, to be honest. There's just a lot of, different beers that come into it. And so that's what really sold me on it because at the end of the day, if I get to try vitamin C and Dewey and uh, who else was that? Uh, perennial, you know, like that kind of thing that gives me enough reason to buy a $50 ticket. And so that's really what I'm focusing on, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, the other thing that I was thinking of, you know, was potentially creating 
a series of events each time, right? They've done beers without beards, which is really cool. And they make it like a week's worth of stuff. But the people who are really into it would be willing to go to multiple events in a weekend. That type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they have done that in the past. Like I said, with beers without beards and I think a couple other festivals that they've done, but you know, that it maybe is something that's like maybe a little bit more exclusive, right? Because anybody can buy a, a ticket for 60 bucks and go and just drink their face off. But for the people who are really into it, people like you, uh, who are willing to, to go to maybe a couple of different things in a weekend, you know, sell tickets to like a meet the brewers night or something, you know. I don't know. This is me, you know, hop culture. If you want to take any of these of, of these ideas, uh, feel well, free. And I'm sure that they've they've considered stuff like that. It's so they just, did the uh, they did the um, breakfast this morning, right? And that was basically whatever brewers were left over. They brought to Shenley Park, and they were pouring for. I think it was like 25 or 30 people. And they didn't sell out. So I feel like that's a kind of a statement to say that maybe, yeah, the, the festival is great, but don't overextend yourself because it's the same weekend. Like if I wanted to go to the breakfast party, you had to buy a ticket. I'm pretty sure you had to buy a ticket to Juicy Brews to be able to buy a ticket to the breakfast party or whatever, whatever they were calling it. And at the end of the day, like <laughs> I was so hungover this morning <laughs> that I wasn't going to do shit. I sat on the couch all day, right? So maybe don't ex- overextend yourself, but maybe make it like different events. Like, oh, we're going to have a tap takeover in blah, blah, blah city before Juicy Brews the next day or after Juicy Brews the next night or whatever. Like, I feel like that. That's the next play is to make a, like you said, like, like a weekend out of it or a week out of it, because there's so much that you can do with that, that I think it makes sense, honestly. Yeah. And that's the thing is that maybe for some people, a one night is enough, but when you're spending so much money and, you know, potentially in the future, it will turn into 75 or 80 or 90 dollars a ticket or something like that right people don't want to feel gypped and and like when you can drink as much as you want i don't think that anybody will ever feel that way but for me i just want you know something else right something where i can i can maybe talk to these people and and just get a feel for you know q a with with a a head brewer from i don't know wherever like trillium or so I, I don't know if they if they'll ever really participate in something like this but if they were to get some kind of crazy big name like that those are the people that i really want to talk to you know it's like how did you get started like where do you come up with these ideas like doing you know, you know maybe some tours of some breweries uh, your idea about doing a tap takeover is very cool too where you know, maybe you get a couple of the big names to send some beer to the to the city a week or two in advance just to kind of get people, you know, a little amped up about the festival coming up. And, you know, I don't know how that would work necessarily because they sell these tickets like months in advance. Well, but they did that last time too. They did, uh, 
Smallman Galley tap takeover for the birthday party, right? The day before. And it worked out well, I thought. But, I mean, it was also fun to go to Smallman Galley and have a Dewey beer on tap that you know they're probably never going to get again. Or if they do, it's going to be something where they're celebrating it. They're saying, hey, you know what? We had Dewey six months ago or whatever. And people are coming back for it. People are excited about it. You know, like there's, there's something to be said about traveling for craft beer, but there's also something to be said about being able to bring that craft beer to a city that is flourishing in the craft beer scene, right? Like Pittsburgh, right? Like who the hell, who the hell ever thought that Pittsburgh would be one of the top destinations for craft beer. And you're seeing it over and over again. There's, there's a lot of people that say, you know, Asheville, um, Chicago, New, New York, York city. Yeah. Like, and then, and then Southern Pittsburgh California. Is, oh yeah. yeah like yeah. San Diego, I mean, stuff like that. Like, keep going. Right. But, right. Uh, but like Pittsburgh is thrown in there, right? There's no reason for it not to be at this point because you have 35 breweries in Allegheny County that are all making and and the biggest and most successful craft beer focused media company is now based there and was started there right so right i mean they're they I can, don't know, I don't know how biggest, much how much how much credit necessarily they can take for putting pittsburgh on but you know it, it definitely comes into it. it it plays a factor right yeah absolutely but like i ran into the owner and like the guy that developed untapped over the weekend, right? Hunter, shout out to you. Um, if you're listening, <laughs> not that you are, yeah, but, nah, don't uh, but at the same time, I know, uh, it, Kenny, if you're going to listen to this, I know you will, because anytime we mention hop culture, he has his ears to the ground. Um, John, uh, the other, the, like the partner, right? The, uh, those guys are very on the pulse as to what they're ta- what people are talking about about hop culture. And I really enjoy the product that you guys put out and I really want to see you guys succeed for years to come because honestly every like the news that I get is generally from hop culture unless it's from worse beer or don't drink beer or good beer hunting. Like no. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to bash good beer hunting because they're a bunch of big beer assholes. But <laughs> Um, um, no, I'm no longer on, uh, social media. So I, all of those references are kind of going over my head. I, I recognize the names of some, of those. but that being said, uh, hop, again, hop culture, uh, they, they do put out very good products. You know, I, I expect them to continue all of their success, but again, you know, I, I also expect them to keep innovating and keep finding new ways to drum up interest in craft beer and to, to find these new breweries that are, that are doing really cool shit because even within Pittsburgh, you know, you, you travel up to Butler and stuff, you know, breweries that don't get as much notoriety as, as dancing gnome or hitchhiker or any of those guys, they're making really good stuff, you yeah. know, and, and, oh, that, no, and this is happening all over the country. Right? This, it happens in Bend as well. There's some small people here that I really like some of their beers. 
but you never hear anything from them. To piggyback off so, of that, um, I, I do want to bring up, um, I don't know how much you followed um, Shane with the uh, yeah. with the fall uh, the Steel City Fall Beer Fest, right? Sure, sure. Um, I do want to bring this up. Number one, Shane is a good friend of ours. Um, good friend, I would say at this point, just because he's been on the podcast multiple times. Um, I I really en- I I enjoy his company. I I want everybody to know that I feel like it was a momentary lapse of judgment to bash. Pittsburgh craft beer. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I, I don't want to get blasted for this, but at the same time, when you play, when you play Pittsburgh, you play the whole city, right? And Shane, we love you. We'll definitely have you back on here soon, but at the same time, I don't want to, I don't want to bash anybody. Although we we've talked bad about local breweries and stuff like that, but uh, Couch Brewery is like they're they're some of the nicest people in the industry. They really reach out and try to support local, and we love those guys. Um, trying to be as neutral about this as possible because honestly, we like both ends. Um, there's not there's not a point where I want to say bad things about any of them, so. At the end of the day, Shane made a mistake. I fully believe that his apology was sincere. I don't think that he was trying to bash anybody out of like hate or spite or anything like that. I think that he was just in the rush of the moment and and put something out there that was not acceptable to the craft beer scene in Pittsburgh. But at the same time, the dude brings in some of the biggest heavy hitters outside of Pittsburgh that you can possibly get your hands on. And really... At the end of the day, we're all one big community here, and there's no reason to fight anybody on anything. So let's. I, I really just want to say that I would rally around drinking craft beer more so than the, than the opinions of one or the other, like that kind of thing. So I just want to air that out there. Um, Shane, we love you. Couch, we love you too. Um, there's no reason for this war, <laughs> as far as uh, as far as social media is concerned. Everybody is hating everyone, so just gonna just gonna throw that out there. Um, yeah, no, I think that's well said. I mean, you don't really want to take sides or 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 bash anyone in particular, but again, like the bottom line is, we need to support local craft beer. We need to support everybody kind of equally as well. You know, it's it's saying that somebody's beer is trash is, is kind of one thing. And, and I don't know if I've ever straight out said that about any, any one brewery in particular, I've had some beers that I didn't really care for for, from some breweries, but these guys are giving it their all every time out. This is something, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it's their livelihood. Right. And when you call people out and say that, you know, what they're putting their heart and soul into is, is trash is, you know, for me, that's taking it way too far. Um, cause then you're, you're really attacking their livelihood. 
right? And, and, and you're, you're almost in a way trying to prevent them from making money because you're trying to get people to stop going to their place of business. But we need to, like you said, we kind of need to rally around it. I mean, we're just because we've interacted with both of those people individually does not mean that we have any sort of say in how anybody here is supposed to feel about one or the other. But I mean, for us, we've had good, you know, good experiences with both people. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to stay out of it. I have, I'm not really, uh, that as involved as you guys, cause you're, you know, you are local and you, you interact with those people more frequently than I do. But bottom line for me is you have to support local craft beer, right? Like the, the, if there's one thing that you can take away from, you know, the last 72 episodes of this podcast is that we, we love the people who create it. We love being a part of, of, uh, the industry in, in any small, you know, capacity that we are. Um, and, and that's kind of the end of it, right? Like we, we want to support everybody. We want to make sure everybody's successful and that's, that goes for everybody, right? I mean, it, it's uh, even, even the, the competition between small and big, craft beer and then big beer as well. Like it's all about supporting, you know, what you like to drink, supporting people who are creating things that you really enjoy. And that's kind of all, you know, I, all I really want to say about it. I'm not going to get into the specifics of who's going after who or anything like that, but just drink craft beer, you know, keep, keep yeah, supporting. I think and, I, and that's like these people, these people make really good products. They, you know, they bust their ass every single time. And when you, Call people, and, and we've had other experiences too, where you know we've gotten into some spats with some people about even we didn't care for beers and this and that. But like you know, these people really take pride in what they do, and we oh, absolutely that right. And, and it's the same with everybody else at every other job. You know, they're not as not everybody has a customer facing job like the people in craft beer do, and it's very difficult to do what they do and be successful and and get even you know, 50% of people to like what you make. Right. But even like, like you're saying, even getting a, even getting a business off the ground in craft beer is an extreme undertaking. And there's, there's no reason to, uh, negate that with somebody else's product. Right. Because to be honest, at the end of the day, you should be comparing yourself to the person that you are. Right. Or uh, that's not what I mean. Um. <laughs> no, I mean you're all yeah, right. You're comparing. You're comparing you should what be you've done you should be comparing and, yourself and, and to your past self, right? As, as far yes. as like the the building blocks. But at the end of the day, there there are so many different pieces to the craft beer puzzle, and what it comes down to is personal preference is a big part of that. Right. Like if you, if you want to support somebody, you need to know what you're supporting. Right. And, and you see this every day. I I'm sorry. I've been following worst beer blog for far too long at this point, but they throw out some super shitty stuff and then they throw out some stuff that's like really wholesome. Right. And at the end of the day, you want to support the people that you want to support and you definitely don't want to bash the opposition just because you're bashing it. Right. It, 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 there has to be a reason for it. There has to be some sort of, some sort of, uh, give and take there. 
where it may not make the most sense, but at the same time, if you have your opinions, stand by them. I get that. I just think, I think it goes back to, you know, we, we talk on this podcast a lot about, about why we love the craft beer industry. And part of that is that, that for, to me, that is the, that is a lot of the reason why people like craft beer is that it never feels like it should be a competition, right? Everybody is kind of, no, it's a community. Together. It's a community first. Right. Sure. And everybody, you know, everybody has to make their money and all that stuff. But I think that a lot of these, like they can coexist without bashing each other and, and everybody can make plenty of money off of it. And yeah. everybody can be successful and all of this stuff. There's no reason that you need to go out of your way to call somebody out specifically for uh, making bad beer. Um, you know, unless they they have a staff that doesn't treat people well or something like that. Like there there are extenuating circumstances. But well, yeah, there's the there's the example of like founders with the racism or Troium with the underpaidness and like you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But like th- there are extreme circumstances where you should bash somebody. <clears throat> but I think that we can all coexist. And I think that Shane bringing in great beer is something that's absolutely pertinent to the market in PA. And yeah, it's very commendable what he's doing, you know, and, and we definitely want to support that. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't make what he is bringing in better than what we have here locally. And no, and I don't think anybody's saying that. I think you need to leave those things, you know, be as they are. Right. I don't think that you need to be saying like, Hey, you should only be drinking this because this is what I sell and this and blah, 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 blah whatever, you know? Right. And the people again, from, from couch, I'm sure if you went to talk to the people from couch and you, you talk to any other, you know, local craft brewer, they would say, yeah, you know, some of my favorite beer is made by XYZ Brewery that's right down the street from where I live, right? And and that's what's cool about those people is that they have humility enough to say that, you know, oh, it's not just my beer that's the best and that's the only stuff that I'll ever drink. Right. And 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 I think that's really what the point is. At the end of the day, there's there's no bad blood between bringing in outside beer And the locals that are busting their asses, right? Because at the end of the day, there's really just so much good beer to drink. And why aren't you out there drinking it? Like right now, while you're listening to this. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so... It's it's 9.30 on Sunday night and nothing's open and you won't hear this until Tuesday or Wednesday anyway. All right. Um, so to yeah, we'll, we'll, to just, totally, we'll just cut uh, it off on that. We don't have to. We don't have to conclude that conversation. It's just something that I think needed to be addressed. And you know, yeah. we're at the end of the again, day, we play we play a very small part in in all of this, right? But for us, we like the ability to have options when it comes to what we buy and where we get it from and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day. Shane brings in incredible product and you should definitely drink it. And we, uh, we definitely appreciate the guys at couch for, for loving the local scene and, and really busting their asses. And I think that everybody in the craft beer scene should be fighting big beer because honestly, that's, that's our mortal enemy. There's, there's no reason to 
see all these people killed off by Budweiser or Miller or whatever else is out there that's uh, like founders, right? They got bought out by that uh, conglomerate from Spain. And there's so many enemies that we shouldn't be fighting each other, right? Agreed. So to uh, to shift here, um, I do want to say my favorites from the uh, Juicy Brews Homecoming from yesterday. All right. So I'm going to give my top three, and uh, two of them are probably pretty predictable at this point. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the uh, Secret Machine Triple Double, number one. The uh, Secret Machine Coconut, oh, what was it, Pomegranate or something? I, I have it checked in. I'll have to look it up. And then number three was Burn Your Suit from 11th hour because honestly that stout continues to impress me this one is uh so the the one from this year was 21 months aged in bourbon barrels they released it last year at nine months i think and it just continues to develop these incredible flavors like if you haven't had it I would strongly suggest going there this week to try it because I'm pretty sure it's still on tap, albeit probably at very marginal amounts. So if you're listening to this and you haven't had it yet, get there, try it. It's phenomenal. Um, really excited to try the uh, Cabernet bourbon barrel version of it because I was in line and they were like, yeah, there's like six or seven left. So I grabbed one. So the next time you're in town, Jake, we're going to have to drink that one. So, so, so Dewey, uh, they, they produce some good beer. That's, uh, that's my conclusion, uh, from everything that's been said on this episode. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no, there's no point they, where I would not, they seemingly kind of came way. out of nowhere. I don't remember them really being a big player a couple of years ago. And, and you guys have been talking about them pretty much nonstop for the last year or so. Oh, I would say even less than that, probably in the last six months. So they are, can you give any sort of brief history on them or they've only or been around for a couple of years? Um, to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about their, rise to power, but, uh, let me, uh, let me research this real quick because honestly, I think that they've only been open for two, maybe three years and everything that they put out is incredible. There's not a point where I'm sitting there going, eh, it might be, it might be okay. No, the the hazies, the collabs that they've done, all of it have been phenomenal in my eyes. Um, they really do. So they're, I mean, they're they're kind of pushing pushing uh, the the Delaware region for, like even more forward than you know Dogfish Head. Um, there's a lot of good craft beer in Philadelphia as well. So like, that's I don't know that I'd go that far. Of, I, I feel like I feel like Dogfish has the market as far as Delaware beer, but 
Dewey is fast becoming one of those like hype breweries, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know that much about them, but just the fact that they're, they're kind of linking with, you know, hop culture almost like you said, they have, they have their finger on the pulse and they seem to find these places that, you know, and I don't know if, if like at the same time that Dewey is getting big, hop culture is finding out about them or if hop culture has some kind of, uh, you know, method or I don't know what the word is specifically that I'm looking for. Algorithm. Like if, if, all right, if hop culture is kind of the, the impetus for, for the, the amount of success that they end up having. Um, I think it's, it's, in some cases, it's probably a little bit of both or that that's probably more common is that it's a little bit of both that hop culture kind of latches on to these places as they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I um, mean, you think about a lot of the places in maybe like Richmond, like I had no idea Richmond was such a big scene until, you know, I saw some of their stuff at hop culture and obviously I'm going to go ahead and throw this people. out there. Um, so secret machine from Dewey is their sour series. I feel like I could put that up against any juice from the answer and still have like, give them a run for their money. And juice might be one of the best sours in the game across the board. Any, any brewery in the U S so being able to say that about this little, craft brewery from Dewey, Delaware is a big thing, right? So that's kind of my gauge on sours is how good juice is versus everybody else. And I would put Dewey right up there with answer. Yeah. And they make a lot of good stuff. I mean, it it really seems like, I I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I, I don't see a lot of, sours that are are like that have this kind of like cult following on the west coast right i like it's almost like sours have have like grabbed hold of the east coast and and just haven't really progressed to a point where they're they've found their way out west And, and i'm sure that you could come up with specific examples but there's not one brewery that i think of that's on the west coast that's like oh damn those sours that they make are incredible. And the, yeah, I don't, know, I, we, I, we I don't have a lot of experience. Like I think moving forward as I, as I progress further South on the, on the West coast that I'll, I'll start coming up with, you know, a, a few different places that I would recommend trying sours from. Um, but if anybody here is listening that has, that answer for me or has a brewery that they think really makes some of the, and, and again, everybody kind of makes sours nowadays. Like this, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, this like fad beer. Yeah. But I mean, even like great notion, a couple of years, like great notion yeah. is another one that, that is a big name and mm-hmm. their, their sour game apparently is something not to be fucked with. Right. It is right. No, I, I agree. And I, I would put them, I would put some of theirs up against, uh, you know, anything on the East coast, but I don't know if I would say that they're, you know, they, they do make a lot of sours and they make a lot of good stuff, but they, you know, they're 
I would say primarily IPAs and that kind of stuff. Like they're, they're almost like a, a, an East coast beer transplanted on the West coast. Yeah. Yeah. But even at that, I don't think that they're, it's not like, Oh my God, these sours are the best I've ever had. Or, or, you know, I would still say that, that the stuff that like maybe Trillium produces, obviously DG, you know, you're saying Dewey, the answer, you know, and, and uh, some other places, you know, spread out along the East coast. They still take the crown for me. You know, I, I don't know if there's anybody who really competes as well. Um, you know, this is me saying this after I put, you know, great notion, like my top three breweries, but right. I think their portfolio as a whole is what is why I say that not, not just their sours. Yeah. But their new England hazies are right up there with Trillium Treehouse. Like there's, they're as good as anybody in the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. So there's a, uh, there's a lot that I see going on in the sour game that, shouldn't be going on as well. I would probably say my biggest concern is like the milkshake IPAs and the smoothie sours and like anything with lactose, to be honest, just Just because, just because lactose, I I don't love it, but that's just me. Like, I, I mean, if you like lactose beers, by all means, go for it. But at the same time, like we got uh, Oreo Speedwagon over the weekend here, and uh, there's nothing lactose about it. It's just Oreos and a stout. Like that's. I feel like you can focus on making a beer without lactose, and still make it flavorful, right? Like you don't need to pump it up with this extra amount of like thickness based on the lactose in the beer, you know? Yeah. I, I, again, we've, I don't, I don't know how many times we've had the discussion about lactose beers. You know, every time we come to it, I think that it just comes down to like, you guys don't like you and Sarah do not like lactose beers. And that's where you sort of come from. I, I don't I don't despise them. I don't also go out of my way to find them. But for some reason, people keep making them, right? Because they're selling well enough. Yeah. No, I agree completely. It, it, and it's think, definitely a market. Right, something else is going to happen, right? Like these people, you know, and, and this, this ties into what I was saying about hop culture these people who are creating these beers are creative people and they're always trying to find new ways to, to attract people and, and figure out some way of making a better beer than they made the last time around. And, you know, if they think that lactose is the, is the answer and you know maybe it doesn't work out one time, doesn't mean that you should completely abandon the style or anything like that, because there are definitely lactose beers that I've had that are very good. Oh no, some I agree that with I, that completely. Some that I don't care for as much, but you know, to say that you're you're like uh, I think a little bit concerned. I don't think that there's really cause for concern. I don't think that it's going to increase to an amount that's like unbearable in terms of the amount of beers that are made at all of these different places. 
you know, you, you still don't see them all that frequently. You're not going to go to a place and find like four different beers that have lactose in except tired hands. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, they've, they've kind of like latched onto that style. And, and again, they, they're doing, they're probably doing it right. If, you know, for the people who really love lactose beers like that, it seems like that's a place that you really go to get them. Right. No, I agree. And, and that's the, the same thing with like sour IPAs and Hudson Valley, right? Like Hudson Valley does a great sour IPA and nobody is going to question that. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily always looking for the next lactose beer, right? Like I'm always looking for the next best double hazy, right? There's really not like a, um, like a fixed style that everybody's going for. I'm interested to see, and and this is something that I'd like to talk about next week. I know we're running a little bit long now, but the big wave in craft liquor now is spiked seltzer. Oh, we're not going Where there. Does, we're not going there. What po- we're going there. We are, we're absolutely going there. <laughs> at what point does the craft beer industry take that leap? They kind of already have, right? You have uh, you have platform which has been uh, you know recently acquired by somebody in Big Beer who was Ooh. already doing a seltzer series, and I think that you're going to see because that's like a it's it's like a social media phenomenon, right? And and that almost seems to create this crazy amount of a following around certain things like meme culture and all of that stuff that goes into it. Yeah. I think the, that you're going to see, white I think that, like, yeah, truly no laws when all drinking that. claws, yeah. all that stuff. There are going to be people who start to try to make, and, and like, you know, you have uh what was the, what's the like champagne IPA called? Brute. Brute IPA. Like that's almost taking a step in that direction. And I, I'm, I'm wondering how soon people will, you know, I don't, I don't know the process of making that. I don't know what, you know, if you need different equipment and stuff like that, but it's such a big thing nowadays that I don't know how as a craft brewer, you're not like, how the fuck can we, how, how, how can we try to jump in on this in some way? Right. And it, I, because it's so big, you, you almost think like, maybe we should try it. Maybe we should see if there's some kind of way that we can, we can take advantage of, of this massive fad because that's what it is. And I've, I've been drinking them more often than I'd like to. admit. <laughs> so we'll see. I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting over the next, you know, six to 12 months and like, you know, even longer than that to see where, where craft beer goes in terms of what styles become most popular because, you know, obviously in the last four or five years, it's been hazy IPAs and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, but I think a lot of that stuff has come and gone and not a whole lot of it is sticking around like, you know, stouts and sours and IPAs. Right. So there's, 
there's a lot to be seen, but I highly doubt that the craft seltzer is going to stick around for that long. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's uh, I would I would not bet against it. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, I get I that. Bet, I don't. I'm not a betting man, but I I think that you need to keep an eye out for for that type of stuff. Fair it's enough. so massive and it's so big and there there are a lot of like I don't know benefits I I, I guess like it, the way that they market it is very uh, is very kind of ingenious and very uh, artful you know they've I, I've seen plenty of commercials and and ads and things for a lot of these these like new beverages that make me think that they're going to be very successful. Uh, anyway, you know, let's, let's wrap it up for this week. We'll, um, you know, we can continue these conversations moving forward about, you know, where we think craft beer is going. Um, yeah, I, we, can make, I, we can, we can sit here and make some pretty, uh, grand predictions on, on what we think style wise is going to happen, but. Oh, absolutely. And, and wild uh, claims about the industry in general, but. Right. We're not going to do that on this episode. No. Um, so we'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, you know, I think th- this was a kind of an interesting episode. We, there was a little bit of a lull in the middle there where I think we were trying to get a- across some points that didn't come across as clearly as I would have liked them to come across. Yeah. So at the end so of the we day, will, we will improve. We'll get better. We've said at the end of the day, probably 15 times in this episode, which has got to be some kind of record for a podcast. Yeah. Um, We, we will, we will get better. We always, you know, are trying to improve. Do you have any recommendations as to how we can improve? Yeah. Please don't take anything we say personally. Um, There's, unless we call you out specifically as a person, then you should take it personally. Yes. But at the end of the day, we're not, Oh wait, there it is again. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this episode. I'm gonna go back and count the amount of times that we said it because it's it really has been a lot. I've said it a couple of times. I know that you've said it a handful of times as well. Yeah. Um, so for the remainder of the episode here, um, just love thy neighbor, right? There's there's no reason to war within craft beer. Drink what's good. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna put our glasses up here, and uh, cheers. Hello, and welcome to the end of the podcast. You made it this far, so why don't you go and follow us on social media at the Weekly Recap on Instagram. At the Weekly Recap One on Twitter, or email us theweeklyrecap1 at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week.